Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at Golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Ah, 2017. The year without a president. Or the year where we're all entering in a high state of fear where nothing makes any sense. Because you see, whenever you see world leaders come together, you always look at them because they're the representative of your nation. And their job is to coexist with each other and try to form out a way to work together. But then you see our guy. And damn if he doesn't look a sight. Every time he shows up, every time he opens his big mouth, now I know what an embarrassed parent feels like. Because the man doesn't even know how to dress like an adult. Ah, God, we're in trouble. He's the only guy I know that will pick a fight with the NFL, SNL, a Broadway play, and think of natural disasters as a way to make himself look good. I'm a little ahead of myself. Anyways, welcome to the J-Man Show here on G360 Radio. Everybody, welcome back to the J-Man Show here for episode 37. I hope you're all doing pretty good. I'm actually doing doing great, you know. I'm paying attention to what's going on in the news, seeing another one of Incompetence Inc. has fallen out of the cabinet seat. Mr. Tom Price, after gallivanting and spending quite a lot of our taxpayer money on his lavish lifestyle, he is on his way out. So we don't have a Secretary of Health and Human Services anymore. I don't know if it's a good or a bad thing, but I guess if we can get rid of Scott Pruitt, we'll probably be okay. You know, with his whole, global warming doesn't exist. Where does he find these people? But then again, you know what? I'm going to try to keep the politics to a minimum today. You know why I do it, right? Because, you know, I talk about current events, and not only that, the guy, unfortunately, is the 45th retrograde. All those outdated rhetorics and all that latent racism and all that kind of stuff. Oh yeah, Puerto Rico had a natural disaster, but I'm gonna go and support it ten days afterwards. Idiot. So, there you go. Well, hey, you know what? Now we can't just talk about how the Hurricane Katrina incident was a problem anymore. Now we can see like how all of these other cleanups have gone down the tubes. You know, Obama handled Hurricane Sandy quite well. But if you take a good look at Donald Trump, the outsider president, (laughs) look at how he handled it. Puerto Rico. It's about as crazy as how he handled Irma or Harvey. Ridiculous, man. It's just just bullshit, man. Stuff like that. Well, I gotta keep the rambling to a minimum. But you know what? I also saw something pretty nice not too long ago. You know, it's up there with the Ready Player One trailer. Tomb Raider's back. 
The new Lara Croft, the survivalist Lara Croft of that. I'm excited to see how that movie plays out. I believe that there is a chance to have a great video game movie. See, I had a feature on my website where I look into different, usually two, video game movies to see, are they really as bad as the masses say? Are they a diamond in the rough? Or where they could go ahead and make the movie better than what it was. You know, like, I don't want to necessarily review the movie and say that it's either good or bad, per se, because if we think back to Jay Mencha episode 10, I kind of debunked it by saying, it depends on your opinion. And it really does. I mean, it depends on who you talk to, and your opinion, and how much of the source material you like. And sometimes, you know, we're not exactly fair to these movies that are based on certain properties. Granted, if you look at, like, a lot of the superhero movies, which we'll talk about a little bit later, it's interesting to see how many people actually dislike the movie before the movie even comes to theaters. Now, one way or another, people love to complain. And as they do, you'll realize that everything that they complain about is mostly just because they're just butthurt and triggered by things. Like, everybody wants this quintessential Batman movie, but then when you realize how long a movie usually is, and then you realize, like, how many things you're trying to throw into this movie, there is no way for that to be covered. So, you know, you're gonna have to give these people benefit of the doubt, and be happy that they are making a movie that is in tone with it. Symbolic to a point, aka the pragmatic adaption. There are a lot of movies where the alter ego really is the feature. That's the whole point of why you bought the ticket. And you see the scene that you see in a lot of the trailers that seems to repeat over and over again? That's about the most that character does in the movie. So I hope you enjoy seeing like how modern trailer making is. Because if it's like this great action sequence and you see it in the trailer, yup, guarantee that that is the focal point of the second half of the movie. Or at least that last third act. Going back into it, I think it'll probably be a decent film in its own right. Some video game movies I actually do like. For instance, I like the first Tekken movie. I thought it was a decent action flick. B-movie action flick, but still pretty good. Street Fighter, because of the humor. And sure, we really didn't get the powers, but some of the fighting sequences weren't bad. And the hamminess of Ra Julia just made the movie great. And the Double Dragon movie, that one is debatable because I like Mark Dacascus. I think he's a great actor and a great martial artist. I think that Scott Wolf was miscast as Billy Lee. And then, you know, Billy Lee really wasn't fighting as much as Jimmy was. And that's kind of what killed it. I think if Brandon Lee was still alive or another martial artist they could have cast in that role, I think it probably would have been better. Like, if they had Ernie Reyes Jr. in there. That could have worked out. You know what I'm saying? And it probably would have played off a little bit better because of the banter between him and Dacascus. Probably would have been something of legend. Kind of like a movie that will never get made, but you know you're doing your fan casting. I'm sure I could make a better Double Dragon movie. But the movie was the director's first venture into filmmaking, so I try to give it a pass because you can only do so much. You know, especially when it's your first time going into feature film. And who knows what the hell I'll get saddled with when I go into features. But moving forward, I tend to rate them from watchable to not watchable. You know what I'm saying? And there are some pretty good video game movies out there. Like, for me, Warcraft was good too. You know what I mean? It was a good prequel story. It makes you want to play World of Warcraft all the time. You know, you look and see what Thrall's father had to go through. I mean, that was awesome. And then, like, for some of the other retro gamers out there, you already know about Warcraft 3. That's pretty much what it leads into. Another great one for a lot of people is Prince of Persia. I thought that one was pretty good for its time. I mean, of course, you know, like, 
It dealt with just the sands of time storyline, though there were some moments of Warrior Within. I don't know about the Two Thrones one, you know what I'm saying? I don't know about the last one, but... Then again, essences of it was probably there, I just didn't really pay attention. Because I didn't really care for that installment. You know, he's sitting there on the throne and he's going through a moment of disassociative disorder. I don't have time to care about that. I've seen enough of Norman Osborn's exploits on Spider-Man. I don't really care. And I would also like to say I did like the original Tomb Raider with Angelina Jolie. Second one, not so much. And I can go on a whole different episode about some bad sequels, and I will. But that one was really good. Like, it was action-packed. She really fit the role of the character well. And, you know, the, the whole thing about the story is kind of iffy. But, you know, you're so excited to see how the story plays out with her that it was enjoyable. Something that was sorely lacking in the second one. Though they love showing the cradle of light every chance they get. I don't know what the thing is with TNT in that movie. But you know what? I will go ahead and create a top five list later for all of you to see on the J360 website. But you know though, I think that this Tomb Raider movie could be that one movie to make us rethink video game properties. The Assassin's Creed movie was a mess. Even with good casting, it just didn't have a good story with it. I mean, I'm sure some of y'all will disagree with me and as you should. That's why this is an open forum. You can go ahead and do that kind of stuff. And if you think that there are some movies that I missed out on that you might like, send me something on Twitter, at J360Productions, or on our Facebook page, at J360Production, hashtag the J-Man Show. You know, send me a line over on our social media sometime, and we'll talk about it. Oh, and uh, believe it or not, I think there are still plans for a Sonic the Hedgehog movie. If I'm not mistaken, I think, didn't uh, Sony want to do it? Or somebody somebody wanted to step in. And keep in mind as I say that, though, that, you know, Sony Pictures is trying to make movies out of anything they can get their hands on. So I wouldn't be surprised if they worked out a deal with Sega and said, hey, could you loan us the movie rights to Sonic so we can go ahead and make the movie? But yeah, there's word about a Sonic the Hedgehog live action movie supposed to happen. But if it's one of those things where he has to team up with the human race and he gets sent to Earth, uh, depending on, like, Sonic always lived on Earth in other areas anyway, and then over here, allegedly, he was on a planet called Mobius, but if it's to a point where he has to be teleported to Earth and the battle has to come here, and humans that he meets up with help him do what he has to do, that, that kind of story could be done right in different circumstances, but there are times where they just do that because they don't want to build that whole world using their CGI and stuff like that, because you want to be reasonable with your budget, so I guess that's kind of the thing. Yeah, but you know, though, I need to go on ahead and get to GameStop and get those two Yakuza games that came out. And speaking of which, hey, Sega, where's my Shinmu at? Which, by the way, I would like to see a movie of that made. Could you imagine a Shinmu movie done right? A little food for thought for those of you out there that are in the same industry I'm in. But, you know, say what you will about Sonic, he is on the verge of a comeback, because Sonic Mania is one of the best games of all time. And not to mention... The new Sonic Forces game is going to be something unique too. I mean, you can go ahead and create your own custom character. I think Shadow has a playable mode, which was sorely lacking in Sonic Generations. Because you know during the boost levels they could have made... Because you know during the Act 2 levels in that game, they could have made Shadow playable. I can understand the Act 1 levels, but... You know, actually for the Act 1 levels, they could have made Metal Sonic playable. Or Mecha Sonic. Or is it Metal? Yeah, it's Metal. It's Metal. Alright, but, you know, hey, sometimes it's easy to get them both mixed up, because there was that that one from Sonic 2, you know, the one that you had to fight without rings? Yeah, Sonic the Hedgehog 2. Where has all the time gone? I'll probably say that when I get a lot older, too. 
Actually, you know what, before I go up into that sort of scenario, let's get back on track. Because this time, you can create a character. So all the people over at DeviantArt and other outlets, like uh, 4chan, can finally live out their dreams. Well, not all of them. Keep that rule 34 on hold. But like I said, though, video game movies, much like comic movies, can be done... But you see, the thing is, you have to make changes because there are bigger markets out there. Like, it's kind of like some people that say they're not appealing to the hardcore fans. You realize that a lot of us hardcores, right, we make up a strong amount, but there are very few of us that are really into this sort of thing. It's just like how there's the casuals, too. And then there's the regular moviegoers, and then there's parents, and then there's so on. Now, what I'm saying is, this doesn't excuse laziness or ass pulls like in Mortal Kombat Annihilation when um, Raiden went ahead and said that Shao Kahn was his brother. And it's like, really? Where did that happen? You know what I'm saying? Those things that come out of left field so they can make a plot point. And you know the evil father character in the Mortal Kombat Annihilation movie was a character of significance in the games, right? Like, you didn't hear his name throughout the whole movie, but at the end when the Elder Gods actually did something, which is very rare, (laughs) they said, and you had to listen carefully to hear it, his name was Shinnok. That was the movie version of Shinnok. Yeah. See, now that right there is the definition of an ass pull. This character here is the bigger bad. You know, doesn't really do any fighting worth a damn. But is the one that pretty much is in charge of the whole organization and everything. Yeah, that that movie had more than enough problems with it. You know, which is sad considering that the first Mortal Kombat actually had a strong foundation for the sequel. You know, when Shao Kahn came in through the clouds and he said, You weak, pathetic fools, your souls are mine. That was awesome! And then you see Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Yeah. It was a miss, too. I mean, (laughs) you know, there are moments where you look at the Assassin's Creed movie and you're like, gee, you know, this could have been done better. But you take a good look over at Mortal Kombat Annihilation, you can see that they were just riding on the coattails of the popularity that was there. Because, you see, they were trying so hard to bring in three and four characters because Mortal Kombat was up there to that point. You know... I mean, it was good that they went with the plot of Mortal Kombat 3. That was actually pretty smart. Because, you know, granted, the first movie mixed 1 and 2. So that was okay. But you see, the thing is, with the second one, however, too many characters. Um, how As badass as Shao Kahn was, you know, he went through badass decay throughout the whole movie after a while. And then the fact that we got to see his real face all the time, but I mean pragmatic adaptation you had to deal with it but a lot of the characters either didn't get enough screen time or their plot points didn't make any sense and then there comes the concept where the final battle was kind of underwhelming i mean i'm saying kind of because you see every character in there got to fight against you know a particular point even noob cybot was in the movie coming out of ermac which isn't too bad considering that Ermac is really a collection of souls but it is weird because Noob Saibot is the original Sub-Zero brought back to life by the Neither Realm so it's like okay it is what it is but you see once again that's me pulling some characterization in and remember I was primarily a fighting gamer so I do know the character of you know I do know the history of these characters 
Now, not to say that everything should be sacred in a movie adaptation. Evidently not. But you see, like, compared to the first one, though, it's like night and day. You know, you pretty much want to see it to see, like, what Liu Kang goes through. But then you see, like, Johnny Cage gets killed off, which does happen in canon. But you also see, like, a lot of mainstays resorting to bit playing. And then some characters not even getting any acknowledgement. And then you get the last minute acknowledgement that the bigger bad of the whole thing, who pretty much is playing the Senator Palpatine role, or Emperor Palpatine, whichever you want to call him, is Shinnok from Mortal Kombat 4. And Raiden's uh, related to him, and Shao Kahn. Ass pulls a plenty, but you know what? That's the movie making life sometimes, I guess because you just have to fit all these characters in, but... Not for a two-hour film. I mean, at best, why don't you just go ahead and make a decent movie here and then leave it open for another one if need be. It would have been nice if Quan Chi showed up at the end of that movie and say, yeah, you know what? We still got plenty of life in this franchise to milk out so we can make another movie. But, you know, eventually they managed to get that right when they did the Mortal Kombat Conquest series. Which was decent. What I'm saying is is that something has to be condensed or adapted out to make it flow. So don't expect all of your mythology to go into this one movie. Like, because nine times out of ten, if you do that, you're going to be disappointed. And then there's certain aspects of a character that cannot be filmed. Like, you know, the backstory. Do you really want to go in there for the backstory of how the person became the alter ego? Or do you just want to watch this adventure and be hopeful and mindful of what happens in the second movie? if there is a second movie, because it really depends on returns, to see how he or she became it. You know what I'm saying? Like, does the first movie necessarily have to be an origin story? Can the movie be the character already established, and maybe in the second movie, the character's past comes back to haunt them, so you see how they became who they are? You know, it's it's a story trope that could actually work out well. You know what I'm saying? Now, I'm not saying that it needs to be a prequel. No, make it a sequel, but make the basis of that sequel something that happened in the past to catch up with your main character in their present. You know, when they're in their prime or when they finally built their company or they achieved something, you know, that was so great that they wanted to achieve, but then the enemy from their past that wasn't getting all of the attention that they feel that they deserved and all the thanks they come back in that present time to attack them. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, see how great that is? It would work well for a sequel. It's just like how, like, if you make a trilogy, why does the trilogy have to revolve around that same group of characters? You can make that trilogy take place in the same city at the same time, but with a whole different group. You could actually make it about the main bad guy. Maybe the main bad guy has... A bigger bad to deal with now granted if he got killed in that other story maybe he solved his problem before confronting the other people you know what i'm saying there are so multiple side stories that people or creatives tend to miss out on you know well then again the creatives probably don't miss out on it but you got some executives that look at it and say well you know what he's just not marketable so we're just not gonna deal with it But you see, that's why you always have another medium to go to. It's just, movies are one of the biggest markets of media consumption in our lives. So I can understand where the complaints come from, but, you know, at the end of the day, when you do a pragmatic adaptation, give them some slack for doing it. 
it's kind of hard to do a X-Men movie considering all the mutants that are in X-Men. And then considering that there has to be this plot point where either Magneto's going to be on the side of the X-Men or not on the side of the X-Men, which I kind of got annoyed with some from time to time. But, you know, you kind of would want Magneto to be there because he's the antithesis to Professor X. I would love to see a Mr. Sinister movie, but, you know, you have to deal with his obsession, you know, deal with the whole Summers and Grey line. Actually, which I hope is what Deadpool 2 is going to lead into, but then again, Deadpool 2 is supposed to lead to X-Force, and honestly, I I think I already covered the whole thing about shared universes and how they seem to just... No excitement there anymore. Oh, this is going to lead to a meta. This is going to lead to a meta. When at the same time, if it was like a drama film or something like that, that that would be a whole complete story, and then you'd move on to something else. Or you see like what another person in the family line goes through and all that kind of stuff. You know, it can be done right, but I guess it's one of them things where, you know, we see it all the time, and everybody else is trying to follow suit and get on that Marvel bandwagon. I love superhero movies as much as anybody else does, but there are times I start to get the fatigue too. There's a fatigue in terms of anticipation for the movie and then there's the fatigue that comes after you've seen the movie and you're pretty much on social media discussing why somebody else is a complete idiot because they didn't get all the facts right or why somebody else is upset because at the end of the day they didn't even bother or had no intention to go see the movie but they want to go ahead on their whole two cents about why superhero movies are destroying modern filmmaking now i don't know how you all could figure that out is there a lot going on with meta series? Are shared universes a trend right now? Is everything just a cash cow? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, these are conglomerates that foot the bill for this stuff. Of course, it's all about money after a while. Viewer enjoyment comes into play eventually. But you know, when you see all that product placement and all those advertisements going through there, yes, that's what it's all about. It's about the ching ching. And as it should be, can't build a business off of hugs. And superhero movies, they're very lucrative. And there's going to be a lot more to come. It's just that, you know, when Marvel does it, they go about making these movies. When you look over at DCU, and you see how they would like to do a Joker origin story for some reason. I mean, come on, y'all. You just got an animated version of the killing joke. The Joker doesn't need an origin movie. Considering, like, all the many origins that he has, I mean, and he's been known to lie a lot. And the fact that he's unpredictable, keep it that way. Unless you're going to go ahead and throw him in like a villain protagonist role, I guess. There's nothing wrong with doing that. That is actually really good. But you see, the idea is, why would the Joker need his own movie? Just do something right and do the Batman movie with him facing the Joker again. They make it seem like these two characters are not meant to face each other off in the DCEU. I guess that's supposed to be a topper for the Year of the Bat, which is supposed to be 2019. But you see, the thing is, all these things can be scraped at any time because, depending on the original movie's returns and stuff, and then, like, everybody's all on this Wonder Woman kick, even though the Wonder Woman movie was good. I'm not gonna say it was bad, but at the end of the day, like, everybody's all like, yeah, she's strong, she's proud, it's a good movie, I love Wonder Woman now. And it's like, okay, you all did this last year when the Ghostbusters movie was coming out, talking about, like, how this movie was predominantly made by women. Like, this is actually the first movie where women predominantly owned up to doing something. You see, the thing about it is, is this. It was a great movie. It's not a perfect movie. Yes, it was made by a female director. And yes, it has a strong female lead. But at the end of the day, 
I would think that Wonder Woman could kick ass anyway because it's in her title to do so. Like, there are many movies out here that have strong female leads in them. And they weren't exactly made by men. They were made by men and women. All working together without this narrative thrown up in our faces all the time. All women can kick ass just about as all men can kick ass. You know, and even if you got something what you wanted, or the way you wanted, I should say. And even if you got what you wanted, right? Chances are people will not pay attention to getting what they want. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm glad that Wonder Woman's movie did get made. What with all the development hell that was plaguing it. And it seems like Warner Brothers loves to go ahead and throw all these movies at us. And when they find themselves incapable of doing such, or there's more issues than a little bit that go on, or it wasn't well received, they'll find a way to shelve the projects. Oh, we just can't get enough personnel on that, so we're going to go ahead and cut this. But we're going to announce this movie right here in a week. And it's like, no. It's cool to see that these characters are finally getting their movies. What's not cool is, is the fact that the announcements. Like, announcing these movies are great, but get the personnel, get the story, get the script. Get it all together first. That's what I would care about. But you see, the thing is, I'm a creator. And for all those other creators out there, that's what we would care about. But you got a lot of other people that sit there and say, Oh, well, um, yeah, you know, uh, we, we don't care about this kind of stuff. DC ain't going to do nothing better. DC's not going to make no improvements. Yeah, yeah, oh my god, I can't stand Justice League. What if Justice League fails? Did you even have any hope for it to succeed now that I think about it? You know, and these conglomerates out here, they already know the wealth of their characters. Just make the movies. Just go through the process, finish the films, stop arm twisting around each other and going through a pissing contest every so often. Just do the job. You know, and the sad part is, that happens in all sorts of facades of life. Well, you know, it could be the most simplest task, but when you have a lot of cooks in the kitchen or you got no structure and order in a line... You got one person wanting the show to be done in one way, and you got another person that has an idea that wants to do their show their way, and then you have the one person that pays for everything and just wants a completed show by Wednesday. See, that's the problem. It's too many voices, nobody's listening. And when you're the leader of something, be prepared to do a lot of listening. Because, see, the thing about it is you're going to be hearing what everybody has to say, but you got to be calm enough. And know what the end goal is so that you can get it done. That's why you have like a lot of directors walk away from certain projects because these things are not feasible. The way that some of these productions go about sometimes is because the studio demands, but the demand cannot be fulfilled because they haven't given them anything to work with to fulfill that demand. Especially if the movie gets held over because... The executives want to go ahead and do some reshoots here and there. It's a tough business like anything else. But if you're confident enough to go ahead and just do a job, just make a decent film. Like, even for Matt Reeves' version of the Batman, yeah, we're not getting the Ben Affleck script. You know, like, I really want to see what that script was like. But I also want to see the Ben Affleck Batman 
in his solo movie too, in addition to these team films, I don't think he was a bad... I don't think Ben Affleck was a bad Batman. But I see a lot of people were upset about Batman using guns, even though he used guns in the Golden Age and all that other stuff. See, see the thing about it is, people are accustomed to what they see. And the thing is, as they see all this kind of stuff, they're not used to, like, other things that happen in the character's history. They don't care about that. You see, if anything, I like to think of the DCEU as this. Okay, you know, Green Lantern flops, so there's no chance of that. But when it comes to, like, Man of Steel, I'm glad to see Superman finally got a movie again because people just didn't care about Superman Returns, even though, you know, at first I really didn't care for it, but I came around after watching it, and, you know, I give the respect that it deserves. It's just something about that third act got on my nerves. But going back into it, Man of Steel was good because it was a darker interpretation of Superman. The character is supposed to evolve with the times. You know, and some of us, we like our dark, gritty stories. Not to the point of the 90s, but, you know, we like things to have a little bit of darker turns to them. Because we went through quite a lot of dark times. And it's good to see that Superman, you know, still upholding his morals to a point. You know, he's starting to become the quintessential hero. Only this time, though, you know, he had to snap Zod's neck. But you see, you forget. See, some people like to think that he snapped Zod's neck out of malice. He did it to protect the family. Come on, there were four people that could have been destroyed or roasted up. And, and, you know, like, he tried to go save his dad. But Kevin Costner hold his hand up and let the tornado take him away. So, yeah, that, that was odd in itself. I get it. But you see, Superman didn't want to go ahead and sacrifice those four people. If he did it, he had to live with the guilt because Zod was never going to stop. So that would have to be the time for him to kill. And I know that's unfortunate for y'all, but, you know, if you go back to the golden age of comics, Superman wasn't exactly a soft, lightweight character. He really isn't to this day, but going back to the golden age, he didn't have a problem killing people. It's kind of like early Ninja Turtle stories. They didn't have a problem killing people either. After a while, you know, different eras, different incarnations, coming with the times, um, the culture, what we had to work with, and so like that's when layers and different things get added to the character. It's kind of like how you look at Superman in the animated series, and it seemed like he's weaker than the rest. Well, you know what? They kind of had to depower him to make him interesting. The things that worked in the 40s wouldn't work well with the 90s. If Superman's running through there as the flying brick kicking everybody's ass, well, then you would get bored, wouldn't you? There are reasons for these things. And then going back into the DCEU lineup, you have BVS, which is Batman vs. Superman, and you see, like, it's really about Batman fitting into Superman's world, pretty much. And then you know that Batman is growing. This is his first foray into this whole new franchise here. So you see how they have an awkward first meeting. And eventually the two were about to go all out. Hell, Batman was practically there about to kill Superman for a minute. But you see like how things have changed after a while. After such a rocky start, they eventually became friends. And, you know, Superman had to unfortunately die which was kind of early. It was a way for us to get a good look at the Trinity, at least, and we got it. That laid the foundation for the Justice League to come in, and then, you know, it leads into, like, Diana Prince's story, 
which is the Wonder Woman movie we all keep throwing around here as the best superhero movie of all time, at least for now. You know, detailing her past, how she came to be what she is, the significance of that picture with her, Steve Trevor, and all the rest. I mean, it all works out. And then leads into her talking to Bruce. Sorry for those of you that didn't see this movie yet. Suicide Squad just broadens up Batman's universe. So this franchise is starting to get its foundation together, but every time... It gets a little bit of stability, and we all start to look at it favorably. That severe case of the fuck-arounds just come around and mess it all up again. And so, what I would prefer that Warner Brothers would do, you know, kind of keep things under wrap, take a good look at the movies that you have on your slate right now, and work on getting those done. So either way, they're not in a position to be talking mess to Marvel right now, because Marvel is about to go into its Phase 4, and not to mention... Big stuff is about to happen with um, the giant cataclysm that is to happen in 2018. Not to mention the Untitled Avengers sequel that's supposed to follow it. So there's a lot that's going to go down. But I still have hope that the DCU can get it together and they can do what they need to do. I would love to see that Justice League Dark movie that they had announced. Because, you know, Swamp Thing, Dead Man, and that's just to name a few. I want to see that turn out well. And it's okay that they want to do different things. But their whole business model, like, you know, each movie is based on the success of the last one. So if the last one fails, what are they going to do? A whole corporate meltdown like they did the first time? No, just scratch it off. Try to make it make sense and continue to grow. And they are still doing pretty well on television and in their animated lineup. Because I think a lot of you liked um, Batman and Harley Quinn, right? See, I didn't get to see that one yet. So that's something I'm going to have to look at in my queue. But we're running out of time on this episode. So I just wanted to go ahead and talk about movies that we never seem to get away from because of the high market value. And, you know, as we make our complaints, these movies are going to keep coming because that's where the cash is. And you got to follow the cash. Otherwise, you're going to be out there on that limb and say, like, if you're trying to break into the movie industry or dealing with any sort of medium, you know, that's the source you want to be a part of, especially if you're a fan. So instead of just complaining all the time, try to give a little bit of benefit of the doubt on where they are going with the movie. But also when they do mess up, you know, never hesitate to say something about it, but don't browbeat them. You know what I'm saying? Because think about it. The person in that director's chair or that lead actor, that could be you someday. And you might have to go through the same thing because there's somebody on the outside looking in that won't hesitate to go ahead and write bad about you on social media or their blogs. So, outside of all that though, I just want to go ahead and get the first half of this double special ready for all of you i know it was a little late i did say 12 noon but you know it's about to hit three o'clock so that means that it's 12 noon somewhere else right (laughs) so most likely the pacific region i would say thanks for being patient with me and everybody else in j360 productions we're working on getting back to where we need to be and it's been a fight but we don't throw in the towel for nothing so we're gonna carry on and do what needs to be done Outside of all that, take care of yourselves, and episode 38 should be around tomorrow. Okay? This is Jay signing off. Laters.